Warning, the following program features content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Bocephus Broadcast. Welcome, everybody. It is episode two of the Bocephus Broadcast. This is it. We've reached a milestone, baby. Two episodes down. And of course, none of this would have been possible without the support of listeners like you. So, all right, before I get to NPR, to PBS, in all honesty, the the feedback that I have received since the release of episode one has been seriously, truly overwhelming. It's been a combination of both praise, constructive criticism, and both of those are absolutely welcome. Anything I can do to make the show better is obviously going to be taken to heart. And I know that episode one was kind of a lengthy endeavor. And, you know, an hour and a half is a lot of time to devote to anything, let alone listening to a program. But, you know, if you can listen to three or four hours of a morning show, you can set aside an hour and a half or two hours to listen to this, even if it's background noise. And I know that, you know, the lengthiness has been a piece of constructive criticism shared by a few. And that's fine. My answer to that is, you know, not every episode is going to be a lengthy endeavor, or at least that's not my intent. But, you know, if a conversation is going well or if there are a lot of thoughts that I feel like sharing, it may end up being a bit on the long side. But that's the beauty of this endeavor. I'm calling the shots. Anything can happen. You're just in the passenger seat, man. But I have given you the option to control the stereo, so to speak. This show is designed to be listened to globally, just as it was created. And and though I don't know how many people are listening in places outside the immediate area in which this is recorded, I, I like to think that it has the potential to grow and to reach new audiences. You know, obviously, my hope is that complete strangers will stumble upon the show and like what they hear and follow along. They'll tell a friend and they'll tell their friends. You know, people have lengthy commutes every day. People work from home. People pass the day in their office or their cubicle listening to podcasts and other programs like this. You know, people whose attention spans haven't been just shot to hell by the instant gratification from things like Vine and Snapchat. So talking about episode one, yeah, I I know it was long, but I felt the need as it was the first episode to explain to any strangers that may stumble across the show who I am, you know, my background, why I'm here, what led me here, why I'm doing this, and and any sort of reason that I may be qualified to be doing this. It's not like you walk up to somebody and shake their hand and immediately know all about them, having not exchanged one word, you know. So episode one was the, the whole getting to know you, that thing, and I think it worked. So backtracking a little bit, I, I mentioned that this show was created globally. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's a fantastic website, and I'm so glad I found it. It's called Fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. And basically, the premise of Fiverr, uh, it's kind of like Etsy, but for more technical type things. So say you do caricatures. Well, you can post on there that, you know, I will draw your caricature starting at $5. And that's the whole concept of the thing. So it's essentially a bunch of freelance professionals throughout the world who are uh, more or less peddling their wares on the internet for you to consume. So anyway, I was able to outsource a lot of the work for the show to said professionals throughout the world. So I want to take a minute to say my thanks to those who made this all possible. And I did so in a Facebook post when I shared initially uh, episode one last week. But I want to take time to actually you know, do it on the show and thank the people on the show that made this possible. So we'll start with Andrew Lentz who is, as I am now calling him, the official voice of the Bocephus broadcast. He is located in Ohio. He's got his own voiceover business, and he does voiceover work 
uh, on Fiverr.com as well. Next, you may have thought I was actually able to pull some sort of strings and get Sam Elliott to record that opening segment from episode one. Now, as badass as that would have been, it was not Sam Elliott. I'm sorry. But the guy who impersonated him, I think to a freaking T, is a gentleman by the name of Chris Dillon. He's a radio host and voiceover actor from Connecticut. Also owns his own production company. So he did that. And finally, this is where the global aspect of the creation of the show comes into play. All the cool imaging that you hear on the show comes to us from a guy by the name of Ian Thompson, who hails from Newcastle, United Kingdom. He put together all the little bits with the cool sound effects and the intros and outros and things of that nature. And the rest, I kind of just, you know, as it fell into place, took care of myself. So like I said, the scale of this project, pretty massive, pretty grand. And worked its way all across the pond and back. And and I can say, I, I think with great confidence that this all sounds very great. And I've gotten a lot of compliments on the way that this is all packaged together and the, the you know sound quality of it as well. So that that means the world to me. And my vision wouldn't have been brought to life without the help of these great virtual strangers. So thank you to those guys if they're listening. Next order of business, I had several people asking if the show was available through iTunes or if it was going to be available through iTunes. And to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what the, the convenience is of getting podcasts through iTunes, but I don't care because if there's a way that I can make this more easily accessible for consumption, I'm going to do it. So thanks to Podbean, which is the website that hosts the podcast, I was able to get the show on iTunes. And moving forward, you will now be able to get new episodes on there as they're released too. And on that subject, if you if you subscribe to the show on iTunes, and if you're not subscribing, do it. I ask that uh, you kindly leave a rating and feedback on the show on iTunes. And I think the way this works, I haven't, I haven't looked too much into it, but I think you can leave like up to a five-star rating and you can also leave comments on the shows as well. So do one, do the other. Preferably, I, I would prefer you do both. You leave a rating and you leave a, a comment as well because it helps. It'll help this thing kind of rise to the ranks and become visible to you know audiences and individuals that may not have otherwise seen it before. So ratings and comments are a big help on iTunes. So if you like the show, you support the show, uh, be sure you check those off your list with the release of every new episode. And I also want to take a minute to say thank you to those of you that have subscribed and followed along on Podbean as well. And a big thank you to the folks who have shared the episode, episode number one on social media. Every little bit, it helps. And it's it's very humbling. Past several days since uh, the release of episode one, I've been, uh, I'm very grateful, very flattered. And uh, the support is very heartwarming. So I want to say thank you. It means a lot. I do have to say I have a couple of friends, uh, Reed and Mark, who shared episode one and they kind of in their Facebook post um, kind of gave a rundown of what I talked about in the episode. And, and one thing that they both included was he shares his origin story, which I thought was great because it makes me sound like a superhero or something. So I'm like now I'm part of the uh, podcast Marvel Universe or something like that, if you want to call it. So I'm going to get in touch with Stan Lee, see if I can't get some comics developed. And uh, that'll be the next step to global domination. We'll see what happens there. We're going to take our first break and coming up, we're going to talk about what we're going to be talking about today and who we're going to be talking about it with. So that is on the way. Buckle up, folks. We got another lengthy one. I hope you'll uh, stick around and listen to it because uh, the talks that we had today, I think they, for me, were very enjoyable. And I think a lot of you will enjoy them as well. So all that and more coming up next on the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Stick around. You're listening to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Have you ever owned a car that you like to wash simply because you were so proud of it? 68 Buick LeSabre is that kind of car. It's a Buick. A big Buick. But don't let that scare you. People who think they can't afford it are surprised when they get the facts. 
We can't blame you for thinking it costs a lot of money. It looks it. A 230-horsepower V8 engine is standard equipment. So is a full line of General Motors safety features. And LeSabre has that famous Buick ride. We suggest you go to your nearby Buick dealer and test drive a 68 LeSabre. Find out how much car you get for the money. Talk to the man who talks your language. One thing for sure, he won't take you to the cleaners. Wouldn't you really rather have a Buick than any other car this year? We now return to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Glad to have you here. Let's not waste any time. We've got, as I said before the break, another pretty lengthy show coming at you on episode two. But I hope you'll stick around because I think that we've got a really good show on tap for you. And I've really enjoyed putting it together. Really enjoy the interviews that we have coming up for you later on in the broadcast. And um, I think you will, too. And I, I, I hope that you do. So let's get down to brass tacks, what we're talking about this week on the show. I am going to be stepping far outside of my comfort zone because this week we're talking politics. And when I say stepping outside of my comfort zone, I definitely mean it because I will be the first to admit that I do not follow politics or at least not to an extent that I feel like I should. And it's it's a fact that I am kind of honestly embarrassed and, and ashamed to admit, but that's just what it is. It's a fact. So I'm going to make light of a lot of the recent political happenings of the past week and the past year, because that's really the only way I know how to make this work. So today we're going to be talking a lot about the inauguration, which took place this past week, because this is when you get down to it, a show about current events and pop culture and timely happenings or as timely as I want them to be. So I I want this to be a relevant show. I want to have relevant topics. I want to have people that are informed on the subjects, whether they're you know, notable figures, or if they're just my friends, because I don't want to lose the element of just appreciating or enjoying a human interaction, a conversation, no matter, you know, the the notoriety that either party shares in the conversation. So let's not lose that aspect. If we're not, you know, talking with somebody of great fame, I don't want you to be turned off by that conversation, because some of the conversations that are the best are the ones that just simply happen between two people you know, two regular Joes. So keep that in mind. I brought in a couple of guests today that have very close ties to the election. And when I say very close ties, I mean it like very, very close ties. And I think you're going to enjoy these conversations because like I said, I definitely did. I, I'm very excited about them. And as a matter of fact, I'm very excited about all the conversations that I've got lined up in the near future uh, for upcoming shows. And a lot of these were just pure dumb luck, especially uh, our second interview today. So that's still to come later on in the broadcast. By the way, I do a lot of these interviews via Skype, and I haven't used Skype for a long time. So to give you an idea of how long it's been since I used Skype, when I was adding some of these contacts, my contact request message when you you know go to add them into your, your address book or something like that was simply, and I quote, bitches ain't shit. It's amazing how much I've grown up since then, to an extent. I, you know, because I like to think that I'm a little more professional now than, you know, addressing someone that I barely know with an opening line of, bitches ain't shit, please add me to Skype. So it's good to know that I've, you know, matured to an extent, at least from a professional standpoint. All right, enough incessant rambling. Coming up, my conversation with Sean McAvoy. It's up next on the Bo Cephas Broadcast. The Bo Cephas Broadcast. Broadcast. <laughs> 
This program is made possible in part by a grant from Juicy Juice. Juicy Juice, 100% juice for 100% kids. We now return to the Bocephus Broadcast. This is the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Bo. Glad to have you along as we are preparing for our first interview of Episode 2. That's right. we got a twofer coming at you today. One that I enjoyed very much. We're going to be talking about, of course, the inauguration, which took place this past week. Now, as I said earlier, I was under the impression that this was all taking place on Friday. It was not. This was a two-day event taking place on uh, Thursday, January 19th, and then Friday, January 20th. As a fan of music, I was kind of more interested in the actual performing aspect of this, like the live entertainment aspect. So you had a lineup that included uh, concerts from Toby Keith, Lee Greenwood, and Three Doors Down. Now, the thing that I enjoyed talking about most with people this week was the cancellation of the Bruce Springsteen tribute band, the B Street Band. I guess like a few days before the whole inauguration took place, they, they backed out. They canceled their appearance, quote, out of respect for Bruce. So I did a little more research, and this band is, I mean, they're apparently the essential Bruce Springsteen tribute band. And in doing my research, I discovered that their front man is Will Forte. But no, it's not that Will Forte. This is a fat, balding dude in his mid-30s playing in a cover band. So in other words, he's me in like 10 years. Anyway, there's been a lot of talk about balls over the past week. You know, the inaugural balls. Can we not can we not come up with like a different terminology for that? Is is gala or gala or however you say it? Is that not applicable here? Does that not fit into what these uh, balls are? Seriously, though, even NPR, the NPR correspondent busted herself up when she said the words two presidential balls on air is great radio. I laughed. Nearly lost control of the car. So like I said, between being at work and being on the road, both Thursday and Friday, I wasn't able to catch much, if any, of the ceremony. But I can't imagine I missed that much that didn't make its way immediately to social media to be, you know, deconstructed by the the fully informed experts that are lurking behind the mouse. So anyway, that brings us here to shed some light, uh, some more light, if you will, and commentary on the inauguration and the new administration and everything in between. Guy that has very close ties, our first guest today, Sean McAvoy. And here's that interview. The Bo Cephas Broadcast. Our first guest today is Sean McAvoy. He's a fraternity brother of mine and good friend from my tenure at Culver Stockton College. Sean is uh, one of the most politically minded and intelligent individuals that I know, and he doesn't let those two traits define him. Uh, (laughs) He is also one of the funniest guys I've ever had the privilege of meeting. He's a connoisseur of rap music and Tommy Wiseau films, and today he's here to talk <laughs> with me about the uh, the recent inauguration, not only because of his knowledge of politics, but I knew he wouldn't berate me for not being well-versed in the uh, political climate. But Sean also has a very interesting tie to the new administration. Sean is uh, an Indiana native, spent some time in the summer of 2011 under the tutelage of our new vice president, Mike Pence, uh, when he was a member of the House of Representatives. So... It is a pleasure to welcome to the Bo Cephas broadcast, Sean McAvoy. Good day to you, sir. Hey, Bo. Uh, longtime listener, uh, first time caller. Oh, we're going to start that bit. <laughs> Sorry. Fantastic. <laughs> I don't know if there's like copyright infringement on that or not, but I guess we'll uh, we'll, we'll get to that order of business when the yeah. cease and desist letter comes in the mail, I suppose. Yeah. Send, send it all to Bo. That's yeah, right. You've got the lawyers. Find my mailing address. <laughs> so uh, tell us, I mean... Obviously, I know you fairly well, but for those that don't, tell us what got you kind of into politics or how long you've been interested in politics. What got you started down that path? Yeah, um, well, I've always I've always been interested in uh, America, I guess, as a 
<laughs> as a concept. Let's be uh, honest, though. Who's not interested in America? I think lots of people. I think. I think. Prove uh, me wrong. Only a minute an- in. Anarchists, you know. Um, uh, no, I mean, uh, I traveled a lot with my grandparents as a youngin. Um, they had a, an RV, a Winnebago. Mm. So um, you know, I saw I saw like Mount Rushmore and Yellowstone National Park and the Grand Canyon and. Uh, uh, went out to DC and uh, New York City and all that stuff, and it just kind of gave me a uh, a good idea of of all the different parts of America, uh, the good and the bad. And uh, while I was traveling out there, my grandma was a school teacher, so she always had these like biographies to read. You know, Lewis and Clark, um, George Washington, uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, and that that kind of gave me an interest in, an interest in American history and politics. Did you read any books um, about uh, Millard Fillmore back in the day, my favorite president? <laughs> yeah, the consequential uh, <laughs> presidency of Millard Fillmore. Uh, yeah, hopefully we don't run out of time and <laughs> we get to talk about the Millards. Um, the yeah. MILF. The MILF is here to back in May. Yeah, only his good friends called him that. Um, no, unfortunately, no. Um I probably actually like James Madison the most and uh, anyone who's Facebook friends with me knows that for like the last three years, my profile picture is <laughs> James Madison. With the let Gary debate sticker at the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, still, I'm not letting it go. No, I'm just so lazy. Um, uh, yeah, Gary Johnson, 2016. Um, <laughs> a little late in the game, but why not? It's worth a shot. Yeah, he's got about as good of a chance to win uh, now as ever. Well, speaking um, of winning, we now have a new administration, obviously, in the office, the inauguration taking place this past week. Uh, that's right. So you actually, as I mentioned, worked under uh, Mike Pence in the summer of 2011. How'd you get that gig? Yeah, um, it, I want to be clear. It was an internship. So it's um, still work. They're, they're putting, right, oh, oh, absolutely. You're putting um, in labor. Yeah, yeah, free free labor. Um, so every every summer, there's just thousands of, of uh, college age uh, people who flock to D.C. and New York City, but you know the corridors of power to uh, to do like three month long internships. And uh, Mike Pence uh, at the time represented my. Uh, congressional district in indiana uh, where i where i was from so even though i was going to school with you out in missouri yeah uh, he represented uh the indiana sixth it was back then i like to think that he like handpicked you like he sought you out right (laughs) uh he he did speak to my uh high school in the uh what had been 2008 so i was a senior in high school and uh 2008 election would have been the uh, Barack Obama running for the first time mm-hmm. against John McCain and uh, Pence, of course, being a member of the House, was also running for uh, re-election. And he he spoke to uh, our uh, our government class, or I think it was all the seniors in the in the high school. And I really thought that was cool. And that was actually the first time I really paid attention to him and really cared about who he was. Um, you know, asking about how I got interested in politics. Um, that was the first election I could vote in, and uh, I kind of decided that I, I liked him. I, you know, I didn't really know what my politics were yet, but uh, he got asked a bunch of like 
uh, 9-11 truther questions <laughs> from, from some of the dumber people in my class. And he, he handled it uh, very well. You know, he didn't, he didn't, uh, you know, make fun of them or mock them or anything. And uh, I thought that was <laughs> staring nice them blankly. <laughs> yeah, because if that was me, I'd be like, okay, I'm a member of Congress. Like, how <laughs> dare you speak to me like that? Uh, like, jet fuel can't melt steel beams? Are you kidding me? Like, why do I even do this? No, he was he was a nice guy, and uh, and so I like that about him. Like I said, knowing nothing about his politics, but uh, uh, yeah, I'll fast forward to. Uh, my sophomore year of college and he, uh, he was still my representative. And uh, I think my dad kind of mentioned it to me like, Hey, you should look into this, uh, you know, beats a summer job, uh, you know, back home. So, uh, I looked into it and, uh, applied online and did a couple phone interviews with the, uh, a member of his team who supervised, uh, the interns. And, uh, there were eight of us selected, and uh, actually, most of them were from Indianapolis, you know, still Hoosiers, but um, <laughs> to two of us. Yeah, by the way, yeah, you, you introduced me as an Indiana native. Uh, the government publishing office, I swear this is a real story, just a few weeks ago, uh, officially changed our designation from Indianans to Hoosiers. Really? So, yeah, the, the, the government is working hard on the real issues. Uh, everyone rest <laughs> assured. And uh, so, so we are officially Hoosiers now, and I've never been called an Indianan anyway. Okay, and, so uh, let me ask you that: like, when I hear Hoosier, I have always heard of it as kind of like a, a derogatory slang. So, is that not the case, oh, really? or are you trying to take the word back? <laughs> yeah, we're taking it back. It's the H word, and we're taking it back. Um, yeah, you can't say Hoosier. Only I can say Hoosier. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> No, <laughs> this does have an explicit uh, content warning at the beginning yeah, right. on iTunes. So, I mean, we're covered there. Careful children. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about, um, well, I want you to well, answer the question, I guess, the, the Hoosier thing. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut yeah, you off. I'm filibustering. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Let Gary nobody, debate. <laughs> uh, nobody really, uh, well, maybe someone knows what it is. Um, you know, there's. There's a, I mean, sir, if you just Wikipedia Hoosier, I mean, Wikipedia where I get all my information, um, if you just look up Hoosier there, I'm sure there's some some origin stories that are uh, that are pretty good. I'm assuming uh, what, what are people from Missouri? I mean, if, if you if you name a, a professional sports team Hoosiers, it obviously can't be that bad. I am completely out of my element today. But anyway, no, I, hey, I commend you for that because um, it's important. You know, it's in the news and. Uh, I need, I need to learn more about music from you. Well, I mean, I'm an open book, but, it, you know, I want to make sure that this this show is, you know, topical and, and we're covering cultural happenings and current events and things like that. And I knew that because, you know, I feel like everybody's telling me I'm wrong if I make any sort of political statement, so I just don't make any at all. But I knew that I could have a lighthearted conversation with you about politics that would also still be, you know, interesting and intriguing and informative to to listeners as well. So that's why we're here. And that's why I'm glad to have you here. Glad to be here. So you mentioned that you didn't know much about Mike Pence's policies or his politics or things of that nature. So now, having uh, worked under his administration or whatever you want to call it, did you fear the possibility uh, of him becoming a higher political power? And in this case, the new vice president? Well, I don't know if I feared it, but we could kind of see it coming. Uh, In summer of 2011, 
that was when everyone's gearing up for the 2012 uh, run. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we weren't told uh, explicitly by the staff, but you could kind of tell just by the instructions we were given and the way that the office was uh, conducting business that he was looking for a, a, a step end. up. So, you know, that was just kind of the way the office was operating. And I know there were some people in the, you know, the Washington uh, news magazines, like the Weekly Standard and National Review and some of that stuff. Actually, National Review is New York, I think, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Corridor is a power. It's all the same thing, you know. Um, it just different accents. The people who pay attention to politics definitely knew who Mike Pence was and he was he was being talked about for a 2012 presidential run, but it was it was kind of evident that whoever ran was going to get uh, beat by by uh, President Obama. So he was looking at uh, a governor, uh, a gubernatorial run as they call it uh, for governor of Indiana. Um, so that's what he did and and uh, obviously that's what he won in 2012. Um, but yeah, we kind of knew, uh, right while we were there in the office that he was going to be leapfrogging. We just didn't know, uh, how high. And did you ever have direct interaction with him outside of, you know, your, your high school visit while you were working there? Did you ever speak with him at length or just kind of in passing or did any of that come to fruition? Sure. Um, in passing, definitely, um, you know, in and out of the office, he's a very, Excuse me. He's a very uh, uh, active guy. I mean, some of them, some of the representatives, and there's 435. It's kind of hard to pay attention <laughs> to so many of them. Um, but some of them just don't really go to their committee hearings. They, you know, play a lot of golf, or they're they're meeting with donors, or some of them. There's there's one guy I can't remember his name, but he would make it a. a a promise to try to call every single household in his district. Wow. Which I know, which is, I believe probably like six digits, like, you know, a hundred thousands, uh, yeah. Uh, of phone calls. And so you can't really get a whole lot of work done because your term's only two years. But, uh, but Pence was very, uh, uh, workmanlike, I guess you could say, um, uh, you know, nose to the grindstone, mm-hmm. but, but he definitely made it a point to, uh, to talk to us. Uh, he, he loves being a Hoosier and he loved it. You know, all eight of us interns were Hoosiers. I swear it's not a pejorative term. We're taking it back. Um, <laughs> we're going to own it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. Um, as far as personal, uh, interaction mm-hmm. and, uh, at the end, or, or I mean, we had, um, um, photo ops throughout the, you know, a picture of him at his desk or with him at his desk uh, and, you know, in the office, a picture of him. Uh, Actually at the end, we got a picture that we took with him in front of the Capitol building with the iconic dome in the background. And um, he would sign, you know, wrote a write a little message and then uh, sign it. And uh, so, you know, just, just, he did make himself available to us um, as well as at the, in the last week, uh, he took all eight of us out to a really nice lunch, and for like two hours. Did you go to Bob Evans? Yeah, <laughs> not that nice. You went yeah. to Golden Corral, didn't you? Oh my gosh! That Mike Pence is a big Jeff Foxworthy fan. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> I I could see it. They, they've got overlapping constituencies, I right? Think. Yeah, if you're a Foxworthy fan, you're probably a, a Pence fan. They're you know? cut from the same cloth. Yeah, you might be a Republican if. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as far as like personal interaction 
what similarities, if any, uh, does Mike Pence share with Julia Louis Dreyfus, aka the uh, the Veep? Oh my gosh! Um, you don't have to many. answer that question. That's just me being a complete smartass. Okay, yeah, not a whole lot. So, um, uh, if you're just joining us, our guest right now, good friend of mine, Sean McAvoy, who interned under now Vice President, then a member of the House of Representatives, Mike Pence, in the summer of 2011. Let's talk about the inauguration, which uh, we kind of spoke briefly about this a few days ago, that I didn't know that it was a big two-day, you know, star-studded event or whatever. But uh, as I like to call it, after the recent uh, infamous Russian, no, it's not Russian, I don't know, the dossier which is just a fun word to say, uh, the inauguration. You, you watched the ceremony, did you not? And you were telling me that you were you were trying very hard not to just get completely uh, blackout drunk during this thing, so you knew what you were talking about come interview. Right. I, uh, yeah, coffee till noon, and then uh, uh, sp- spirits after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I believe I was dr- drinking uh, Land Shark, which I think is from your neck of the woods. Sounds is dangerous, it? but yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> it's as well. a Land Shark Lager from St. Louis. By the way, this part of the broadca- broadcast brought to you by Land yeah. Shark. <laughs> it bites. Oh, I like it. You're going to need a bigger beer. <laughs> uh, well, so, anyway. Yeah. We're talking about. Uh, you no, watched, I definitely watched. You watched, watched the inauguration, right? Yeah, I did. Um, too much of it. Uh, I watched the the night before when they were doing the. Uh, that was the like concert. the entertainment aspect, right? Right. Yeah the 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 undercard um, yeah. in front of the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, and here's um, your here's your rundown. In case of those of you that are listening, didn't happen to see the uh, the lineup: Toby Keith, Three Doors Down, and Lee Greenwood. Among the uh, headlining performers that night, a previously scheduled Bruce Springsteen tribute band, the B Street Band, dropped out, and I kid you not, quote, out of respect for Bruce. Bruce? You would think from the get-go, they would think, oh, you know, Bruce Springsteen, not a big Donald Trump fan. Maybe we shouldn't do this, but, you know, it's a (laughs) low-hanging cash grab for us. But uh, do you find it strange that Lee Greenwood, who is uh, like the... The button on the lapel that is America. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. He's he's got, you know, God bless the USA. That's like his signature track. Did you know, and I'm sure you did because you're friends with Lance Smith, that Lee Greenwood <laughs> cut a version of that song called God Bless Canada where he replaced, it's the exact same song, but he replaces it with, you know, places in Canada and landmarks in Canada. I had no idea. You didn't know that was out there? No, it completely exists, and if you you have to look it up and listen to it after this is over, <laughs> it's tremendous. I, I'm excited. <laughs> so Toby oh Keith, my oh my gosh, Lee Greenwood though he's how are you going to do that to us, Lee? Yeah, right. And not only that, but he looks he looks like William Shakespeare was dug up and they put like a little you know like rouge or something on him. And they're like, All right, go out there and dance, monkey. <laughs> yeah, no, he does. He does. Well, you've got Toby Keith, you've got Three Doors oh Down, gosh. you've got Lee Greenwood. In your mind, what does this particular lineup of performers say about the new administration? Well, I think it's hard to deny that that uh, it's that a represents pretty star-studded a... lineup. <laughs> well, that, that's for sure. Yeah, Three Doors Down. My gosh, they're getting work uh, again. That's great. Yeah, they came out of retirement for the dawn. <laughs> uh, I think that represents a, a certain culture in America. This is a, a I know not all of uh, the Trump Pence tickets votes came from rural America, but this this kind of represents that kind of gun toting, 
That seems uh, to be like the the uh, the you know the demographic, the audience that this whole campaign was kind of geared toward, the working class American. So why wouldn't you bring in some butt rock and you know a couple of country <laughs> acts that have I'm pretty sure been at Burlington Steamboat days? I know for a fact Toby Keith was <laughs> because I went there. I've been hearing Toby Keith all my life and I never knew it because, uh, <laughs> uh, like you said, I'm I'm more of the uh, the hip hop fan. The part of Indiana that I come from is is rural. It's a town of like town of like nine to ten thousand. Maybe the county has about thirty thousand people. So I I've heard Toby Keith songs all my life, and I never knew they were Toby Keith until I watched him in front of the Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that's that guy. There's America's patriot right there in the flesh. He's a like he's an intimidating large dude too. Like he could have probably been working security that same day before and after performing. Yeah, Hell's Angels, right? Uh, bikers for Trump. No, he's got, he got impressive beard as well. I haven't seen his beard lately. Usually, it's just kind of that you know scruffy Marlboro Man looking type thing. It had some body to it. You know, I, I say that as a 26 year old uh, alleged man who cannot grow <laughs> <laughs> cannot grow facial hair. Pseudo male. Yeah. Given the option, would you have kept that lineup or would you have changed it? And if so, what three acts would you have? tap to perform in their place oh instead i'm thinking like you know like creed and, uh, <laughs> six feet from the edge <laughs> and i'm thinking my own prison might have been an appropriate track to perform for some of the people that you know were uh, against the whole incoming oh. administration speaking of uh appropriate yes. uh three doors down uh i what's what's is it is the song called kryptonite, kryptonite where yeah. uh i'm trying to think of the exact line where it's like, uh, if I go crazy, will you still call me Superman? Yeah. That has got to be his re-election. <laughs> like, first it was Make America Great Again. Then it was like, hey, I did all this crazy stuff. Can I still be your president? <laughs> That's also I probably thought, his ringtone. Yeah, I thought that was prescient. It was very forward-looking. <laughs> um yeah, so so look for that on the campaign banners. Well, if anything, we can we can hope that Three Doors Down continues to you know ride the uh, the Trump train, so to speak, oh, back God. to relevancy and success as far as you know Donald Trump being in office for at least the next four years. Record sales should be pretty steady for the band. <laughs> yeah, sell a lot of eight track tapes, probably. That's right. Um, <laughs> so your your three picks to replace Toby Keith, Lee yeah. Greenwood, and Three Doors Down for the inauguration. If you had it to do over, if that control was in your sure. hands, who would you sure. pick? Yeah, if Why? I was if I was Stalin, if I was a dictator, and I could could really just you know uh, force these people to do whatever I want, these peasants, um, <laughs> I would. Uh, well, also because I'm a political nerd, uh, the battleground states uh, that won the election basically for Trump. Uh, you know, they, sometimes they call them purple states where they can go one way or another, mm-hmm. and you know, all this money gets spent in there. Like Indiana, nobody cares about Indiana. They know it's going probably for the Republican. So no, no money gets spent here on the presidential race. All the money gets spent in places like, uh, and, and for Trump, where it worked, was Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Florida. Um, you know, Ohio to a certain extent. But uh, where I'm going with this is I would get performers uh, from those states to kind of, you know, represent, uh, <laughs> you know, the people who put you there. Right. So, uh, but I would also do a little bit of trolling because this is Donald Trump and I feel like he's our first troll president. Um, <laughs> it's the hair. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, that kind of troll, no, internet trolling. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, first he's kind of the first president in the age of trolling as well as the first one who could use it effectively. Um, 
And I would take uh, rappers, first of all, because those are the only musicians I know. Um, but get this. So from... from <laughs> Dig this. Pick up what I'm yeah, putting yeah. down here. From uh, Pennsylvania, for, for the fine people in Pennsylvania who voted for Trump Pence, I would pick uh, Mac Miller, the okay. uh, white rapper. Uh, I would take uh, from Michigan, uh, uh, Big Sean, B-I-G, Sean Don. Uh, <laughs> Why is this starting to sound like a draft pick? <laughs> from Pennsylvania. Yeah, from, from the great state of Michigan. No, west side of Detroit. <laughs> Big Sean. And then from Florida, uh, wild card, Ariana Grande. Oh. Yeah. So, and the interesting thing about this lineup, so you've got these three, Mac Miller, Big Sean, Ariana Grande, uh, is that they're a love triangle. And are they really? Is that a thing? I, I'm pretty sure uh, if I'm keeping up on my E! News, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe Big Sean and Ariana used to be an item. And now uh, Mac Miller and and uh, uh, Ariana are. So I think uh, I think you're looking at some real fireworks. Well, uh, nothing says only- truth, justice and the American way like the song side to side. So I think that those are pretty good. Oh, picks. my gosh. Can you imagine First- that being performed? At the inauguration, like, you know, do you think that's apt? I still haven't watched that whole video. Lance Smith, our our so-called friend. He is the common that. thread that runs through this podcast, I swear to you. Yeah, we need to excise this. Can, can we fix this in editing? Um, <laughs> we'll do it live. <laughs> Screw it. Um, I haven't seen the video either, but it was it was Lance that oh, told me, atrocious. you know, when we took his his trip to Wisconsin to buy his minivan because he's you know a twenty seven year old father of one with a minivan now. He told yeah. me that song came on the radio and he said, "You know what this is about, right?" And I said, "I have no idea." And he said, "You know, he told me what the song was about," and I was like, "Okay, that's interesting." <laughs> I assume it's about something uh, R rated. Do you not know what it's about? No, man. I could barely click on the link, let alone watch it. Okay. Explicit content ahead. Oh, boy. We'll pause. Let everybody get their earmuffs. Right. Okay. So, side to side, from what Lance told me, is about um, a young lady or a lady in general, or I guess it could be any gender, really. It doesn't matter. But uh, after the act of intercourse... uh, Okay receiving it so well that one walks funny (laughs) side to side and if you look up the lyrics uh it is corroborated that that is what the song is indeed about yeah so imagine that being performed at the inauguration ceremony yeah i I think i think america's walking from side to side right now (laughs) (laughs) it got rogered pretty good So speaking of things like that uh your thoughts on what i referenced earlier or what i'm calling pp gate Oh, yes. Finally. <laughs> PP gate. Yeah, this is the only reason uh, I came on the podcast was to talk about... Hey, if there's one person that knows more about urination and golden showers, it's got to be you. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, whatever you do behind closed doors no, is your yeah. own business, Charlie Rich, but... You know. I, I looked up the... Uh, I looked up golden showers on my browser and just the, the sheer history that came down. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, yeah. No, oh, my gosh, we have to get up. Now, can you, can you imagine to- how, many pe- how many ill-informed people, just completely innocent people, had to Google what golden oh. shower was and were just completely flabbergasted and probably some um, sent to the nearest medical facility after doing oh. that? 
that's the era that we're in that golden shower and presidency go hand in hand yeah uh uh very well said i gotta tell you real quick um a story of how i came to hear about uh uh, pp gate uh aptly named um so i'm visiting uh my grandparents in missouri Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this thing, I think it came out on a Tuesday. So this is like the weekend before I'm visiting them. And uh, my grandma, who, who keeps uh, up on, on the news a lot, very interested in politics. And um, she wanted to know how to stay away from fake news. <laughs> and so Read I was book. just like, <laughs> yeah, essentially. I told her, you know, grandma, you're not on Facebook. Uh, that's where a lot of this fake news, like the God the bless pe- her. Yeah, the, the Pizzagate and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all, all this weird, uh, weird uh, things that are just explicitly created just to get clicks. You know, they, they're not going through the Washington Post or the New York Times or anything. They're just, mm-hmm. you know, this weird like dot IZ or whatever, yeah. um, you know, that people are too stupid to realize it's fake and they share it a million times. Um so I told grandma, like, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, just, you know, I asked her what she watched on, on cable news and network news. And she told me, and I said, you know, that fake news isn't going to make it there. <laughs> so that was, that was on, I think that was on Monday. I was telling her this and Tuesday I'm driving back. I'm across the cornfields of Illinois and I'm hearing radio reports about <laughs> Donald Trump and Russian hooers, uh, <laughs> ladies uh, of the night. Yeah, uh, and the and the golden shower thing. And the first thing I thought was, Grandma, no! <laughs> I promised her. I promised her. Yeah, all you have to do is watch, watch, you know, ABC News, and you'll be fine. No, what a I time to, to be her. alive. Yeah. Um, so I haven't talked. I haven't talked to her since because <laughs> I don't. I don't, I don't know how to start that conversation with her. Yeah, I don't want to hear the shame in her voice. So what do you uh, think? I mean, obviously scandals have been a big part of the past, you know, year or so. What I mean, what do you think? Like scandals or potential scandals? Do you think that are going to be, for lack of a better term, leaked? Um, and that goes for like things that may have happened in the past or things that you could see unfolding during the tenure of Donald Trump as the commander in chief. What do you, do you see anything like that happening? Oh yeah. We're going to hear some weird stuff. Um, and that's, and this is not me saying like, I think he's worse than other presidents. I just, you know, other, other presidents have gone through the normal, uh, vetting process of being governors and senators and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, they've, their, their local papers, if nothing else, have really investigated them. And yeah, he, you know, the, uh, he's been in the news, uh, you know, New York real estate, but uh, politics is a different ball game. It is rough. It is uh, bare knuckle. So I don't really, I don't really see how we can get through the next four years without hearing some uh, a hiccup, some, some wild, weird stuff. Some you know? weird, wild stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's coming down the pike and uh, gird your loins, America. <laughs> Let's say uh, left field. What? Give me, give me an idea of a scandal you could see happening under this current administration. Oh gosh, um, it's open season, fair game. Yeah, yeah. Just create some more fake news. Yeah. Got it. Let's let's uh, do it. Let's originate those rumors. How about? 
I don't know. I just love the fact that he has tiny hands. Is there something we can do with that? You I mean, that's great. That was something that I, I had never... I'd never seen until the other day someone reference his tiny hands. I I knew nothing about the size of this man's mitts. Oh, did you not see it? In the, well, you probably didn't watch the debates, did you? I watched them while live tweeting them because that was okay. how I wanted to enjoy them. So I didn't really... Sure. It was more me listening than it was watching. So I never really... I guess I never really looked at the guy's hands. Are we talking... Were these like, the, the Trump-Hillary debates? That you're yes. talking about? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So back in the primaries, and I'll make this really quick because some of your listeners probably uh, they probably hate, saw this. They hate length. Yeah. <laughs> they love girth. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, he is responding to uh, Marco Rubio, who tried to tried to get in the mud with him and just you know mudsling and uh, on the on the campaign trail and. Uh, Rubio had picked up on this report um, from a few years before about how Trump is a stubby fingered vulgarian. <laughs> and so he started, he goes, you know what you, you, uh, or you know what they say about guys with uh, small hands, right? And then, you know, pregnant pause. And then he says, uh, you know, you can't trust him. <laughs> you know, oh, Marco. Um, so, so he says this like two days before one of the Republican primary debates. And the first question Trump gets in this debate, he it's it's about you know like economic policy or something, and so he you know he goes about answering it in his is his weird like generic uh, way, and then he somehow segues into uh, and you know these people they hit me on my hands they hit me on the size of my hands, and and they say that you know guys with small hands there's something else going on, and then he reaches up with his tiny hands and he adjusts the microphone and he per, he. You know, like perks up his lips and goes, I can assure you there's no problem there. <laughs> and I, I just, I had to And then America's up. decision was made. <laughs> right. Like, oh my gosh. Finally, someone who's not afraid to defend <laughs> the size. I'm pretty sure that similar things happen in the uh, famed Quincy Lincoln Douglas debate. So, you know, I don't think that. Oh, right. yes. Yo, Lincoln well, was very <laughs> proud of his hog and was the first to tell people about it. Yeah, the Lincoln log, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Honest Abe yeah. never told a lie about that. All right. So uh, well, he was super tall and, and, and Douglas was super short. That's all I'm saying. So as we uh, as we wrap this thing up, what are your hopes? Oh, wrap it up. I got material. <laughs> hey man, there's going to be plenty of these podcasts, and I'm sure plenty of uh, political things to talk about. So this is oh, by our, far, our... by far, not the end. Okay, so 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 I am your uh, the humble political correspondent. I think you're going to be the, the chief political uh, the chief political correspondent. I like that title, Ooh. and I like you Ooh. in the role. Okay, well so then that. I am. Uh, what can I do for you, boss man? <laughs> Uh, you're not receiving a paycheck for this. Just FYI. Yeah. Okay. Well, then screw you. Yeah. You're completely upfront let's, about let's that. Let's wrap this up. Yeah. Final thoughts. What are your hopes uh, for the nation moving forward under this new administration? Uh, what are my hopes? Um, right now, it, actually, it's looking pretty bleak from my perspective. Right. Well, I, I think it's like this. Uh, not every four years, you know, to a certain degree, it's like this. But obviously, this is a more contentious election. Sure. And I just see a lot more people uh, uh, taking upon themselves to make change for the better. I mean, I'm sorry, this isn't going to be funny, but um, no, I mean, you, you play this as straight as you want. It doesn't matter. Sure. Uh, but but I really I mean, uh, uh, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Mark Zuckerberg, we see them, you know, giving away a ton of their money. Um, uh, Elon Musk, 
mean, he's not giving it away, but he's doing a lot of uh, things, you know, quote unquote, for the public good, you know, sure. with uh, SpaceX and uh, uh, electric uh, storing solar power. Uh, so I just I just see a lot more of that um, where, you know, not just rich folks, obviously, but, uh, you know, just people doing more in their community. Maybe I'm just I'm just trying to look for, uh, uh, you know, a silver lining in the in the contentiousness of uh, the last year and a half or however long this campaign has been way too long. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that as a political nerd, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I really do uh, think people are going to stop relying on, you know, quote unquote, those in power and start, you know, looking around and saying, what can I do? And, and I, I think that's a little bit about what that uh, women's March was about uh, yesterday. When I said that, that things look bleak uh, in my perspective, I, I speak from that perspective as watching this happen on social media and the fact that, you know, there's a lot of finger pointing, there's a lot of generalizations, there's oh, a yes. lot of things that, you know, just that have really made you question the human element, you know, an interaction between human beings and things. Oh, like that's that. a great point. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, like we're, we're losing, we're losing Facebook friends over this. I mean, that's, that's, that's nuts. It's an issue, but I, and I don't know if you saw this, John Stumpf made a post the other day about how, you know, the big government versus the local government thing. If big government lies to you, screws something up, your hands are kind of tied. There's not a lot of things that you can do about it, but on a local level, you know, the point he made was if your mayor does something wrong, you, you know, where the guy lives, you can, you know, go kick his door in, I think is what he yeah. said. So, do or the think, girl and yeah, kick her girl, door in. You could <laughs> no, but yeah, you've got a male mayor in Quincy, I know. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that does that make sense? I, I To me, it makes sense that if I you love can't it. control things on a global scale, start small, start within your community. Like, is, is that something you agree with? And do you see that maybe um, playing a role in kind of getting things back on track? Yeah, I, I, I love that sentiment. And, uh, Especially, especially here in the middle of the country, you know, our the, our our elected representatives, um, you know, nobody cares about them. Yes, we know who the mayor of New York City is, but nobody knows who the mayor of Quincy is, you know, sure. outside outside your area. So, um, holding them accountable is a very local project, and and I like I like what that says. You know, um, there's a there's a book that came out probably about ten or fifteen years ago um, called. I think it's called like bowling alone or something. And it's about how with technology and everything, we're kind of retreating. Uh, You know, we don't, we don't go to church together or we don't do community activities together. We might not even know our neighbor's name or anything. Um, I think we could see a resurgence of that as people, you know, we we've made it through the social media revolution and kind of like, okay, we've seen what it has to offer. And maybe we, uh, maybe we start, you know, getting out and doing things in the community as well as uh, community activism together uh, in real life. <laughs> yeah. Not IRL. Just, not just getting together to play Pokemon Go or actually tackling real issues, apparently. <laughs> yeah. What a concept. So you think that's the answer to maybe kind of curbing all of this hostility is, you know, starting small, working together to make changes, you know, in your immediate area that could hopefully trickle up, so to speak, to a higher level. Absolutely. That is that is the very first step. All politics is local. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love that message. Last but not least, if you could pick a song or a movie title that you think would best describe the next four years moving forward, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. Do, uh, do you have any? Uh, I don't I know. Have if any? You, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I wrote this question for you, and I didn't put any thought into it myself oh, because that's, I, that's fine. As somebody interviewing somebody, you're just like, well, they're not going to ask me any questions. But, oh shoot. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm I the know. political correspondent. Yeah, I, I need to yeah. pull my weight here. What am I, I doing? Know. I got I, one. I can't I got think one. one. Okay, what do you got? Pink Floyd's The Wall. Ah, yes. Yeah, was that too easy? I'm, you know, that's kind of low-hanging fruit. I was expecting okay. a little more, but I'll take that. I get that. How about uh, uh, From Russia with Love? <laughs> that's, yeah, okay. That's good. <laughs> is, is that the one? That's good. I'll take that. All right, Sean McAvoy, our uh, chief political correspondent. It has been set in stone. <laughs> we'll hear more from Sean uh, throughout the next several weeks, I'm sure, and as this uh, show moves on, because there's going to be politics to talk about. I'm not informed about him, but I know this guy is, and I know he's a good fit to have on the show. Thank you very much uh, for, for a really good chat on this afternoon. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Bo. Congratulations on the new show. I love it. Thank you, sir. All right, we've got more coming up next on the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Stick around. You're listening to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Is Smucker's grape jelly your favorite? Naturally. Did you know that Smucker's has no artificial ingredients? Naturally. Did you know Smucker's has great tasting apricots? And red raspberries. And orange marmalade. And strawberry. Naturally. (laughs) Smucker's is naturally good because it's naturally made. No preservatives, artificial flavoring, or coloring. So naturally, Smucker's is America's favorite. Do you think with a name like Smucker's, it has to be good? Of course. Bocephus Broadcast. Such a great conversation with Sean McAvoy before the break. I, I have to say, I really thoroughly enjoyed that conversation, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. And now that Sean has accepted his position on the show as the chief political correspondent of the Bocephus Broadcast, I look forward to talking more politics with Sean. I'm a little more comfortable with it now, and, and I have Sean to thank for that. And it's always a great conversation with that guy, no matter what the subject material is. So a big thanks to Sean for being on the program and talking politics with us. We continue talking politics now with a guy who overnight won America's heart during the second presidential debate held in St. Louis because of his charming demeanor and representation of the sliver of goodness that seems to be remaining in America as of right now, all neatly wrapped up in that bomb-ass red sweater. That's right. We continue talking politics on the Bocephus broadcast right now with Ken Bone. The Bo Cephas Broadcast. Ken Bone joins us today to discuss the inauguration of President Donald Trump and the new administration and how things have been going since that uh, fateful night back in October of 2016. So welcome to the program. Good to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. You're a man who, you know, really needs no introduction, but I gave you one anyway, of course. But anyway, who is Ken Bone today after becoming a cult phenomenon? Has fame changed you? Well, I think I was really lucky in that, uh, like, obviously the start of the fame was just being an internet meme from kind of having a distinctive look and uh, being the, you know, kindly looking or goofy looking guy from television. And then it kind of grew organically from those first few interviews that I did. And in those interviews, I had had the opportunity to just be myself, so I didn't have to change anything. Uh, so I got to enjoy, you know, a month or so of being in the spotlight without having to change anything about myself. And uh, now that it's mostly died back down, uh, I'm just the family man and uh, career-focused guy that I was before. You mentioned career, and you work for uh, you work for like a coal plant, is that right? You're like a coal plant technician. 
Yeah, I work for a coal-fired power plant in southern Illinois. I'm a control room operator, which uh, is kind of like what Homer Simpson does. I sit at a control <laughs> board and, and run the plant. Well, there you go. Um, I'm not going to ask who you voted for, obviously, because that's not important. But I would assume that, that you did indeed become a decided voter following that presidential debate, correct? Yeah, I, uh, I had pretty much made up my mind uh, after the second debate. It took me a couple of days. I know I told the first couple of interviews after that debate that uh, I was pushed more towards the middle. But uh, I was very close to making up my mind that week, and I decided I would just give both candidates one last chance to say their piece. Uh, since I was able to attend the third debate, I decided I would I would hear them out, and then I made my final decision that night. And then, uh, you know, barring some kind of giant news story after that, I wasn't going to change it. So, how did you get into the debate? And did you expect to be positioned where you were, kind of like right in the the eagle's eye, so to speak? Uh, well, getting selected to go to the debate is actually completely random. Uh, the Gallup polling organization looks in the area where the debate's going to take place, and this time it was in St. Louis, Missouri, which is very close to my hometown. They just call a random segment of the population and keep calling until they have enough participants. So I was one of the 40 that uh, was selected first, and then when we got there, they assigned uh, a seating chart, and we don't really know how it worked, like if the the TV folks had input into it, or if it was you know, just randomly spaced, or if they didn't want me to sit on the upper tier because they were afraid I was too heavy for the uh, <laughs> for the risers or or how that worked, but it worked out for me. I got a lot of screen time and very bright red. Was it nerve wracking for you at all when you you know took your seat? You realized you know I'm going to be on national television on a bunch of national outlets. Was that were you a little nervous? Well, yeah. I've, my friends and family would probably tell you that I I don't typically get nervous in situations like that. Uh, I am kind of, uh, uh, I, I love being the center of attention. Like, I, I like being the guy that everybody talks to in the room, of the one with the jokes and the, and the conversation. So even on a, a much bigger, bigger stage like that, I didn't mind it uh, because it was, I didn't really have to do anything but sit there. So I, I didn't get terribly nervous and I still got a whole lot of attention. So it was uh, a win-win for me. A definite win. And speaking of wins, Halloween was shortly thereafter. Did you, in your wildest dreams, did you ever imagine that you would become a Halloween costume? And what was it like to see the Ken Bone Halloween costumes? Well, I wish I had seen the Ken Bone Halloween costume coming because then I would have sold them myself and gotten a piece of that action. Uh, You'd have made some serious coin on that. Yeah, I, I would have, but. You know, that's okay. A lot of people had a great time with it, and I'm not going to complain because I, through some other ventures, I did make uh, a pretty good deal of money. Not like retirement millions or anything like that, <laughs> but about what I would make in a year at my regular job. Nothing wrong uh, with that. Yeah, it was, it was great. I was able to pay off my car and write a gigantic check to the government. It was a whole lot of fun, and uh, seeing folks dressed as me at Halloween parties and uh, taking their kids around trick-or-treating was a blast. You know, it was it was flattering, especially considering, you know, my neighbors, you know, they know me and they know who I am, obviously. Uh, so to see that they had worn the red sweater to a Halloween party and showed me a picture of it, I thought it was really flattering. <laughs> so I know you're a family guy. You've got kids. What did you go for as Halloween? If not, I mean, obviously you couldn't be Ken Bone. That would be kind of the low-hanging fruit, right? Well, I have a, a really nice Jedi costume that I usually wear every year because uh-huh. I'm a huge Star Wars guy. Uh, so this year I wore the Ken Bone getup with the khakis and the sweater, 
and put the robe on over that. I was Obi-Wan <laughs> and Bowman. Oh, that's genius. That's brilliant. I would have never in a million years thought of that. You're a creative guy. I will give you that. Well, thank you. So on the subject of, of costumes, we'll talk about your costume for a second. Have you retired that sweater, or is it going to make another appearance in 2020, do you hope? Well, I have one just like it that uh, I wear whenever someone asks me to event, you know, to an event where I'm supposed to be, you know, recognized, uh, you know, be part of a show or raising money for charity or something like that. Uh, but the original one I actually sold back to IZOD, the manufacturers of the sweater, and they put it in their archives next to James Dean's leather jacket and Michael Jackson's moonwalk shoes. <laughs> So they gave me a yeah. They actually gave us ten thousand dollars for it, and that all went to Greater St. Louis Honor Flight, which is one of our favorite charities. Fantastic. So, I mean, the Super Bowl is coming up. You mentioned Izod. Obviously, they bought the sweater back from you, and I know you kind of put some feelers out there uh, about starring in like a Super Bowl ad. Has anybody bit on those feelers? Uh, no, I I uh, tweeted something out at Mountain Dew. I think a uh, a few weeks ago. Saying, hey, uh, the, I know a former internet meme who would work cheap in a Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> but it was, uh, obviously, it was just a joke. Uh, big firms that do these multi-million dollar ads, they've had them in the works since you know last year's Super Bowl. Uh, they weren't going to change it up for the guy that was on the debate and take that kind of risk. Uh, it was, that was just me having a little bit of fun. You never know. There's always a chance. Have you thought about maybe contacting uh, like like Big Red? Big Red would be a good one to go after. I mean, sure, you know, if they want to talk numbers, I'll do it. I had no illusion that anything was actually going to happen, but I suppose a one-in-a-million shot wouldn't have hurt. Well, I mean, your story is kind of a one-in-a-million shot, so it's worth a chance, right? Yeah, I mean, if lightning wants to strike twice, why couldn't it do it to me? I don't think uh, I don't think that's too far-fetched. If you're just joining in, Ken Bone, our guest right now, Ken became, of course, the overnight sensation after capturing America's heart during the uh, presidential debate back in October of 2016. Obviously, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is the inauguration took place uh, on Thursday and Friday. Did, did you watch? Uh, I was at work, uh, so I didn't get to watch it live. I did watch uh, a lot of the highlights and listen to the speech. And my big takeaway from it is, uh, one, like all of the like legitimate and peaceful protests, uh, if you disagree with your elected officials and you don't like what they say, go ahead and exercise your right to protest. That's your right as an American, and I, I like to see that, even if I don't always agree with it, you know, on both sides. Uh, the few crazies that snuck into that and took it as an opportunity to light vending machines on fire and things, uh, shame on them, and I know they don't represent the ideals of the majorities that were out uh, protesting, so I hope that, you know, that that, that that message can get out, that we don't let those kind of people represent us and our ideals and my second takeaway is I really hope that now the media spectacle will start to die down a little bit and we can start to get to the business of running the country uh, I'm a little bit tired of talking about attendance at uh, you know events attendance at the inauguration ratings for television events I, I really want to hear something about policy now and I hope we get to is it disheartening to you to see uh, the divide just between, you know, the the United States. The like you said, the the protest either peaceful or the ones who are trying to accomplish something by, you know, being vandals or just defacing property and things like that. Is it does it upset you, you know, as an American to see this divide between your nation? Yeah, the part that upsets me is that when I was in high school, 
a friend of mine and I could have a conversation and go something like, yeah, I think we should have single payer health care, you know, we should have socialized medicine. And then I could turn around and say, well, the government can't really run the DMV. What makes me think they could run the hospitals? And we could argue the points back and forth. And then when we were done, after about 20 minutes, we would go back to talking about baseball, and that would be it. Uh, now, if your friend and you have that conversation and you're on opposite sides of an issue like that, it's expected that you're not friends anymore at the end, and one of you calls the other a homophobic slur, and then the other one uh, says something about how the other one is a uh, uneducated redneck or something like that. Yeah, it's, uh, we've just been so terribly divided, and it's we've let it become the norm that if you disagree with someone politically that they are evil and or ignorant and that does make me a little sad do you see that improving and if so what do you what do you think the steps are to getting back to a more um, unified nation well if we continue the way things are going now it will not improve but there i think there are two scenarios uh, under the trump administration where it will improve uh one is that he lives up to the expectations of his supporters and he's a great president and he makes you know he really does use his tagline and make america great again then i think people will the more fair-minded people maybe not the loudest people will start to come together again and realize that hey maybe we can work together uh, or he lives up to the expectations of his loudest detractors and he's a horrible president then the more reasonable people on the Trump side will start to say, well, wow, maybe we got swept up in this celebrity whirlwind of trying to elect an outsider, and now it's kind of bitten us in the behind. Uh, so e either way, I think that's going to bring us together uh, just as long as we don't. I mean, right now we're kind of riding the line where everybody's just happy enough with their side to, to yell at the other side instead of trying to improve their own. But if we go much farther away from that line in either direction i think we'll see things improve like it's very well said the ceremony itself on thursday featured a lot of a of you know top tier performers toby keith lee greenwood uh three doors down i understand speaking of music that you were once in a band is that correct uh yeah i've been in several bands over the years uh we played for our uh for our local church we were the youth worship team and then we would also play together uh you know, sometimes we would do Van Halen covers. The lineup would switch around. Sometimes we had a piano player. Uh, sometimes, you know, I would play with different bands for fun. But yeah, we've done everything from classic rock to, uh, you know, like church music to, uh, you know, I've played in a jazz and blues combo before. It's uh, I just love music. I love being out in front of people. So how many bands have you been in throughout the years? Uh, depending on how you want to define it. It's kind of like how Fleetwood Mac tours around now with uh, Mick Fleetwood and, uh, you know, a contest winner and a roadie <laughs> and still calls himself Fleetwood Mac. The American Idol uh, so formula. If it's always the same band calling it that way, then I've probably been in two or three. But if it's if every time the lineup changes, it's a new band, then it's a couple dozen. Right. So do you, I mean, do you still perform to this day or do you have interest in performing again if you're not performing now? I'm not nearly as good as I was 10 years ago, I, and yeah, I would love to just for fun. I'm not going to have a record deal or anything. It's not really an aspiration of mine. Uh, the last time I got to play with a band was for a radio show in Memphis uh, just before the election. Uh, I played with their house band. We did some Van Halen tunes uh, live on the radio in Memphis, Tennessee. That was a lot of fun. So what do you play? What's your instrument? 
I originally started out playing the drums, and that's probably what I'm best at. But I also play bass and piano, uh, a little bit of guitar and Latin percussion, uh, uh, violin, uh, you know, a few other stringed instruments that I'm really crummy at, but I love to try to learn, pick up a few notes. So you're all over the board. You mentioned Van Halen and, and drumming. Have you mastered Hot for Teacher yet? Well, I don't have a quadruple bass set up, but I do the best <laughs> I can. You get by with what you got, right? Yeah. So if you'd have been asked to perform at the inauguration ceremony, would you have done it? And, and what songs would you have played? Well, I, you know, I, wouldn't, I don't know that I would have a whole band backing me up. Uh, if, it was, if I was asked to perform at the inauguration, I would have. And not just out, not out of like a love of one side or the other, but I feel like that would be an opportunity to uh, get my message out again that you know, we can all work together. Uh, I know that it's an event for President Trump, but uh, I might have tried to go off script a little bit and talk about unity and reaching across the aisle a little bit unless my microphone got turned off, because uh, that's kind of been my trademark up to this point. Uh, as to what the uh, set list would have been, I don't know. I only know about six songs really well, and I'm not sure how appropriate they are for political events. Let's, uh, like, what's your, what is your bread and butter song? You got one song that you're, you, you know front to back, like the back of your hand. What is it? Uh, probably uh, Toto's Africa. That's my favorite song. I think that probably would have gone over well at the inauguration. Absolutely. It's a, it's a hit during karaoke, but I don't think everyone at the inauguration had had uh, five or six beers. <laughs> so who are some of your favorite bands or, or musicians? And I mean, what, what would we find in your music collection if we were to sort through it? My all-time favorite would be Radiohead. I feel like uh, nobody blends genres and redefines themselves every time they put out an album, like uh, Tom York and the rest of them. Uh, but I, I really do love classic rock as a genre. I also know a lot of uh, you know '90s and 2000s hip hop. I have quite a few of those albums. Uh, you know, anything from the '70s, '80s, or '90s rock, uh, even some uh, light jazz and blues. Uh, I'm all over the place, really. There any surprises? Any surprises we'd find in there, like some guilty pleasures? Oh yeah, I listen to top forty stuff. I probably have some like Katy Perry on the iPod someplace, you know, because I'll listen to anything if it's catchy. I'll I'll pay a dollar for it and listen to it. You mentioned uh, Katy Perry, obviously a very, you know, upbeat pop star. And I want to talk about. I recently saw that you're going to embark on a journey to better health, which usually a lot of people, when they work out, they listen to music. So what motivated you to start that process, and what are your goals moving forward with that journey? Well, you know, one of the, the big story that I told on my first national interview that everyone loved so much was how I had gotten too fat for my favorite suit, and I tore the pants <laughs> and destroyed them. Uh, and so I kind of just reached a point in my life where my son is 13 years old now, and I want to be around when he has grandkids. I want to play with them. You know, uh, when I was born, I had great, uh, you know, great grandparents, and they didn't pass away until after I had my son. We had five generations of the family. Wow. So I think like, will my son have five generations? Oh, he won't with me if I don't improve my health, because I will certainly die by then. And then I think like, well, wouldn't it be great if? Uh, if we had a picture with me as the the elder statesman that my my grandfather <laughs> was in the background uh, of a, a fifth generation with Logan and his little ones and their little ones, uh, and uh, if I ever want to do that, I have to start putting the work in. So I've been seeing a personal trainer, and uh, I actually have a sponsor that's uh, a men's health clinic called Victory Men's Health here in the St. Louis area, uh, and they've they help me with a diet and nutrition program that helps me 
give me the energy to go and do the workouts that I do. And so far, I've lost about 30 pounds. Wow, fantastic. Congratulations. What, what has been the hardest part for you, um, you know, as you kind of go into this journey? Uh, I don't eat as much stuff as I used to. I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Eating things is fun, especially like ice cream and cookies. And cakes it's a blast, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. It's one of the great things in life. But you can only do that for about 40 years, and then you die. So I figured I will probably eat cake occasionally and uh, red beans and rice most of the time yeah, so I can live for 80 years instead of 40. So what's your typical diet consist of now? Oh, you know, mostly yeah, I'm not uh, crazy on the diet. I don't eat, like, you know, nothing but protein shakes or anything like that. But it's, uh, you know, like a sensible breakfast and some fruit and vegetables for uh, balanced sugar instead of just white sugars and cakes and things. Uh, grilled chicken and just sensible sized portions uh, more than anything. If you're just joining us, the Bocephus broadcast has currently turned into the Bone Zone. Ken Bone joining us from his home in uh, Shiloh, Illinois. We were talking about um, your weight loss goals and things like that. And on the subject of goals, now that the inauguration is over, now that the new administration is in power, what do you hope to see um, you know, like goal-wise as the nation embarks on this upcoming four-year journey or potentially eight-year journey? We don't know yet. Well, uh, on a lot of campaign trail issues, Donald Trump is a hardcore, very hardcore right-winger. Uh, things like, you know, deporting illegal immigrants and such uh, that I, most people do not agree with, and I certainly don't. Uh, I would like to see governance from the center, which is what we saw from you know, Donald, before he started campaigning to be in any kind of uh, politics, he was more socially liberal and very fiscally conservative. I, I think he does have some decent economic ideas. Uh, I like the idea of either vastly improving or replacing the Affordable Care Act. I think we just need to make sure that we have a replacement in place first. Like, if you're looking for a new job, you don't just quit with no money in the bank and hope that you find a new job. You try to secure something first. So we need to make sure that we have a stopgap in place so that all the people who have gained coverage through the ACA don't lose it. Uh, we don't need to focus so much on the rhetoric about getting rid of illegal immigrants. So that's just kind of something to stir up the base. Uh, we can do immigration reform without trying to round up millions of people and uh, ship them home. Uh, so, I, you know, I think uh, socially responsible things like real immigration reform that allows uh, an easier, more streamlined in immigration process in the United States for the people that want to be here for legitimate reasons that uh, right now we almost force them to immigrate illegally through the punishing process uh, that we impose on them. Uh, we can have that. We can have improved health care for all Americans. Uh, I don't want to see anyone lose their rights. I think uh, a lot of the uh, strides that we've made with the LGBT community and things like that, we don't need to, we don't really need to do anything with that. I think we need to uh, stay the course and keep moving towards equality for all people rather than taking the two steps forward we've had in the last few years and then one step back. Uh, so I, I don't really want a whirlwind first 100 days like a lot of people are looking for. I want to see him ease into the role of governance and uh, take it slow and, and from the center, like I said. I think you've got some great ideas, and um, you've been sharing some of these ideas. You now have a YouTube channel, which is appropriately titled The Bone Zone, which I also learned that you have to be really careful with when you're searching on Google. Uh, oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> on the channel, 
you provide some political commentary and, and everything in between. So what else can we expect to find from you uh, on that channel moving forward? Well, I, I did three videos in like the first two weeks and discovered while doing that that uh, making YouTube videos, even when they're only like 10 and 15 minutes long, is a lot of work. It takes it's a, a long time. So it's uh, editing and uh, creating the content. You know, I have a lot of respect for the people that do that for a living because it's really tough. So I haven't been able to make one for about a month now. Uh, I'm hoping to have another one up within the next uh, couple of weeks, but I don't want to make any promises on time because I've made a liar of myself before. <laughs> uh, but uh, the very next one will be about charity. Uh, I'll be you know, highlighting some of the charities I've had the chance to raise money for. Uh, and then we'll, I think the one after that, we'll be talking about uh, internet trolls and uh, the the drawbacks and the great things about the internet, and, uh, you know, about how you can be anonymous on the internet, and that's a good thing if you have a uh, contrarian point of view that you know contributes to a discussion, or if you're afraid, uh, you know, in your surroundings. Say you grow up in an extremely conservative household and you have some very liberal ideas. It's nice to be anonymous and be able to share those things with like-minded folks. But then there are other people who abuse their anonymity to do things like send SWAT teams to Ken Bone's house to come and, uh, you know, to pretend that there are bombs in it. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a double-edged sword. I think I'll probably do one about that. And then after that, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably rely on the community to come up with ideas for me because they're all smarter than I am. <laughs> I think it sounds like you've got uh, a lot of great ideas and a lot of, uh, a lot of commentary to offer. Something you don't offer, though, currently and I don't want to make this difficult for your weight loss thing, but I'm going to ask you. I'm going to be in St. Louis next week checking out a concert, and I want to know what are some of your favorite places to eat. Now, I, in specifically, I'm going to be in the loop, um, but I know you're from you know around Shiloh. What are some of your favorite restaurants within that area? What should I check out? If you were here in Shiloh, I'd say definitely go to uh, Agostino's in Fairview Heights. It's a great little Italian restaurant that we love quite a bit. Uh, over in the St. Louis area, around the Loop, uh, you won't be too far from Crown Candy Kitchen, which has uh, just amazing, world-famous milkshakes, and uh, it has a BLT that uh, should have about nine Bs in it. I think it has like a pound of bacon or something. <laughs> it's got the whole pig on it then, right? Uh, it's fantastic. It's just delicious. Uh, and as long as you don't have a coronary walking out, it's one of the best places. I'm willing to uh, take but- a risk. Uh, being on the loop, if you're here for a whole day, you know it's only about 20 minutes to get to the hill with some of the most authentic uh, Italian cuisine and uh, more specifically like St. Louis style Italian with things like toasted ravioli and uh, extremely thin crust pizza with Provel cheese. Those are the quintessential St. Louis experience. Are you uh, are you anywhere? Have you ever heard of the restaurant Lottawatta Creek? Are you are you near that? Lottawatta Creek is about five minutes from my house, and oh. you can go there and order like. You know, you and uh, and your significant other both order a meal, and uh, you don't have to go grocery shopping that week. It's, I it's have never, yeah, I've shop. never eaten at that restaurant where I've left hungry. And if you do, you're doing it wrong. Uh, I could not, in my wildest dreams, eat everything that they bring out to me. Uh, like on my fattest, guiltiest day, <laughs> I could never eat all that. Do you have a favorite dish from there? Uh, probably the meatloaf. They have about three different varieties of meatloaf prepared a few different ways. But the uh, mama's traditional meatloaf, uh, they uh, you know they take their their meatloaf and they cut you a pretty thick a couple of slices of it and then pan sear it just for a few seconds get this beautiful caramelization on both sides. It's you know I'm gonna have to hang up on you because I got to get there before it closes. <laughs> at the 
I, like I said, I don't, I don't want to, you know, throw you off the wagon or anything like that. But, uh, uh, you know, if folks want to follow along with your weight loss journey or hear more political commentary, things like that, uh, what are the ways that they can follow you on social media or online? Well, I have the, uh, the YouTube channel. It's called The Bone Zone, and it will not be the first thing you find when you search for Bone Zone, even on YouTube. <laughs> It'll be about the 12th one, and it's not all dirty stuff. It's, Lesson learned. Lesson learned you know, on that like one. There's a popular video game uh, channel that's also called that that's way better than my channel. Uh, the easiest way is probably uh, on Twitter. I'm at KenBone18, at uh, KenBone18. And that's, I, I don't tweet a whole lot of things, but I, I just try to have fun responding back and forth with people. And every once in a while, I'll put out something that I think is meaningful, but mostly just a way to engage with the community. There you go. Well, I want to wish you luck with the uh, weight loss journey because that's a that's obviously a, a huge important thing for you. Um, so I hope you find great success with it. And I really want to thank you for taking some time out of your evening to uh, talk with me today. That means a lot. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It's a great show, and uh, I love being on it. Absolutely. All right, Ken Bone, ladies and gentlemen, appreciate it a lot. It's good talking to you. You too. There you have it, another great conversation, courtesy of Ken Bone. So glad that uh, he could join us on this episode of the Bocephus Broadcast. Coming up in just a few minutes, we are going to wrap things up for this episode, and we'll get to that in just a few as we return to the Bocephus Broadcast. Hang tight. The Bocephus Broadcast. Well, hello. Sherry Burks from Arkansas writes, I love Snapple, and I'll bet Bill does too. Bill? Sherry's a person with a lot of opinions. I know Bill would like it. And Sherry feels that she knows Bill. That's her opinion. I have dined at the governor's mansion with Bill. Bill is a cheeseburger eater. He did not serve Snapple. I think he would really like it. Well, I think Bill would probably like that, because that seems to be his kind of thing. I just know he would. Snapple, made from the best stuff on earth. I think Bill would drink it. We now return to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. That's going to do it. Another episode of the Bo Cephas Broadcast in the books. This concludes episode two. I want to say thank you to you for listening and also a big thanks going out to our guests today, Sean McAvoy and Ken Bone. I appreciate them taking time out of their schedules to talk to me about politics. Hope you enjoyed those conversations as much as I enjoyed being a part of them. Uh, plenty more of that stuff to come. So I hope you'll continue joining us for that. Don't forget, you can now find the broadcast on iTunes. Go to your iTunes uh, store and type in the Bocephus broadcast and follow along. Subscribe, leave a comment, and leave a rating, and help us climb that podcast food chain, if you will. You can also now find us on Facebook simply by going to facebook.com slash Bocephus broadcast, or you can find us in there. Give us a like, follow along on there. You can also follow me on Twitter, at BoBCraft. And if you've got questions, comments, concerns, life problems, hate mail, anything like that, you can email those to bobycraft at gmail.com. Coming up on the program next week, our guest is going to be one half of the Austin, Texas duo Greyhounds, who are currently on the road promoting their latest album, Change of Pace. Andrew True, guitarist for the band, will join us. Look for that broadcast next week. Otherwise, that's all for Episode 2, Attack of the Bone. Tune in next week for Episode 3 of the Bocephus Broadcast. Pleasure as always. Look forward to seeing you next time. You've been listening to the Bocephus Broadcast on podbean.com. Get the latest episodes and more on demand at bocephusbroadcast.podbean.com. 